RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. We've had Sue Gray on the program, I think, twice already. It's the third occasion right now. She joins us. Not so much to talk about politics uh, this occasion, but a win for her. Sue, welcome. Welcome back. Thanks, thanks, Paul. Awesome to be back. Really appreciate it. Okay, so we're here to talk about a decision that came out on the 4th, so what, Friday? Yes. Um, a New Zealand Lawyers and Conveyances Disciplinary Tribunal. You might have mentioned this in one of the chats we had before. I, I can't quite remember, but you may have mentioned it. Anyway, so in the matter of the lawyers, and I'm reading here from their, their PDF here, uh, in the matter of the Lawyers and Conveyances Act 2006 between Nelson Standards Committee, the applicant, and Susan Jane Gray, the respondent, that is you. Okay, so the local... Uh, Standards Committee, because you're based in Nelson, took this complaint or case against you, did they? Yes, that's right. Well, what happened was they received a series of complaints. It was almost like a sort of a, I don't know, a, a shotgun attack of of numerous complaints all within quite a short A, a pile-on. Yeah, back in uh, 2021, about mid-2021. And um I think everyone was taken a bit by surprise because it's quite unusual for members of the public to complain about lawyers and what they say. And um, I I was shocked myself because I always thought that free speech was really important. And um, But anyway, the Law Society, the Nelson District uh, Law Society, um, took the whole situation quite seriously and did what they call an own motion complaint. So they they turned these complaints who which were largely from members of a group called Fact Aotearoa, um, and they, which is a which is a group of um, doctors and journalists and others who really are pushing the government COVID narrative and trying to stop anybody questioning it. So, sorry, their their name Fact Aotearoa was it? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, so there was the group itself made a complaint and then many of its members, and there may have been some other people that weren't members but who, who for whatever reason, made complaints as well. But most of them seem to have been linked to Fact Aotearoa. They'd also made complaints about Dr Matt Shelton and, and others who had spoken out questioning the government's uh, COVID narrative. So there was quite a common theme. Um, and the Law Society turned it into their own, what they call, own motion complaint. So they picked up on all of these individual complaints and made it into one. Um, and I got some help from uh, Ron Mansfield QC and from a few other lawyers that I'm colleagues with, some with specialist expertise in international law and human rights and that type of thing. And we thought we'd done this great submission, like a 35-page submission explaining why free speech is important. And the Nelson uh, Standards Committee basically wrote back in one line and said, we're referring this to the tribunal. They didn't okay, really... Okay, so they, they don't like you or didn't like you in Nelson? Well, I, I don't know if they didn't like me or not. I think it's a bit more I'd sort of embarrassed the club by questioning the government, and they found that they really had to try and close me down. So they felt that they had been sort of brought into some sort of disrepute on the back of the reasonable things that you'd been saying. Is that is that where they were well, coming from? Well, that was certainly their allegation. They didn't like me asking questions right. that 
that exposed the government narrative. And, and most of what's complained about is questions that were asked on our political party Facebook page for the Outdoors and Freedom Party. Um, there's a few comments where other people have replied. And of course, our Facebook page, it's not just me. It's its a whole group of different admins yeah. who post on it. Yeah, they've published a lot of those comments in the uh, finding. Uh, and, and what were they trying to do? Link you as a lawyer and your responsibilities in that role to some kind of wider public perception were they through yeah that that but social media content what they said is that because i'm well known as a lawyer everything i said should meet the standards for a lawyer whereas i'd said right from the start that no as a lawyer you don't lose your personal freedom of speech and you certainly don't lose your political freedom of speech and so they should judge my legal work against the lawyer's standards but they should judge my other work against the rights of of politicians and the type of speech that politicians do yeah i think they singled out comments that talked about vaccine injuries and people's attitude to certain members of the government, that sort of thing. But they were mostly comments that other people made, not not stuff that you had written. And and you hadn't written all the comments that went up on that page anyway. That was done by all sorts of people, wasn't it? That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. All right. So th then what did you have to do? Obviously, um, 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 they didn't play ball uh, at yeah. first base. So then, then obviously you had to go through a whole lot of stuff to get to where you found yourself on Friday. Yeah, so the next thing that happened was I asked for reasons for the decision because normally as a lawyer, you expect that anyone that makes a decision contrary to somebody's interest will provide reasons. But they told me that they didn't have to do that. Um, so I went to the Legal Complaints Review Office and, and said, look, I'd really like reasons because, you know, we put a lot of work into this 35-page submission on, on freedom of speech and human rights and just to get a single sentence back to say we're referring it on was a bit frustrating. So that process took quite some time and 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 was a bit of a disappointing process as well, I have to say. Um, and finally, we the, the Nelson District Law Society lodged formal charges against me, which was a couple of days before Christmas last year. Their timing is immaculate if they're trying to um, ruin your summer holidays. Yeah, well, they probably did want to ruin your summer, uh, summer holiday, um, probably. So I responded by um, sort of going through their processes, but saying, look, I'm struggling to understand what this allegation is. I don't understand why what I've said as a non-lawyer is being held to these lawyers' standards. It doesn't make any sense to me. And, you know, there's been quite a few cases on that. Um, if you're If you're acting as a lawyer in court and whatever, and you've got a client and your client's complaining, there's all sorts of rules that you must comply with, which I completely understand. But that hadn't happened here. There was never any complaints from any of my clients. There was no complaint about any of my legal work. It was just some third parties with their own sort of lobby group, largely, who were complaining about my personal and political views and using the law society process as a sort of a convenient process to try and stop my free political speech. At least that's what it seemed like to me. And that's what I put to the law society disciplinary tribunal. Is that what they call lawfare? <laughs> Where it's sort of like yeah. a kind of warfare, but it's you, the law is used to fight, you know? Um, yeah. 
It's, uh, well, uh, yeah, I think it's a good word for it. I hadn't thought of that word, but it certainly felt like that. I mean, it really, it, it was just the most bizarre situation because I wasn't really even quite sure what I was supposed to be saying or doing because it was just so unusual that lawyers are normally standing up for free speech and suddenly I was being criticised and told that I didn't have so, any rights. So what is wrong then with your colleagues in Nelson to, I mean, these are smart people. They must know all this. I think really? what happened was I call it the tsunami, the COVID tsunami. And, you know, this wave of fear came through and people panicked and reacted and they sort of forgot basic principles. And instead of saying, hang on, free speech is important, they sort of got caught up in the tsunami and, and, and didn't want to offend anybody um, and particularly didn't want to offend the government. And so they decided. But, but hang on, they're prepared to offend you grossly. Well, that's that's how it's felt to me. Yes. So yes. okay, all right. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, 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 and I said it was a novel complaint, and the disciplinary tribunal have accepted that it was a novel complaint because most of the complaints there, you, you can, as a lawyer, get into trouble for things that you do outside your practice of law. But it's like if you're a kind of murderer or you're you're yeah. you're doing yeah. something like really extremely serious. And there's a there's a Supreme Court decision on that, the Stanley decision that explains how serious it must be. But none of my conduct, I believed, and now they've agreed, was anything like that. It was they were always just trying to link because some of my um, Official Information Act requests and things like that have been posted up on the Outdoors Party political Facebook page. The argument that the Nelson Law Society had was that that somehow made everything on our Facebook page into legal advice. And so oh, everything, okay. it, it, it was just, you know, I, I mean, I, I kept saying to them, I'm struggling to understand your logic or what you're even alleging I've done wrong here. So it was really good to have a hearing before a panel of five, um, I think one is a judge, a couple of senior lawyers and a couple of lay people um, on the 24th of July. Yeah. And and they, it was the first time in two years that anyone had actually really looked at the allegation in a sort of objective way and and say, well, actually, what is going on here? Okay, so I'm just looking at the makeup of the uh, tribunal and the chair, all Ms. So they're all women, were they? They were, yeah. It was amazing, actually, but they were. Okay, just a just a, an interesting little tidbit of information there. Okay, so um, what? How strong? Uh, presumably, the Nelson Standards Committee were represented by someone. Were they at that hearing? Yeah, they've got a lawyer, a barrister called Paul Collins, who's based up in Auckland, who does a lot of work with disciplinary tribunal work. Okay, I wonder if he knew, if he really believed in what he was doing. Well, I did suggest to him earlier on, but I mean, obviously he was doing what his instructions were. And being do. paid for. Yeah, um, he did what he did. And I represented myself um, Yep. I've been quoted a fairly significant sum for having a lawyer representing me, and in the end, I decided that I'd, I'd rather stand up and fight for myself than, um, than lose from anyway. How much? How much would it have cost you, Sue, if you'd got someone? Just you know. Well, the lawyer that the, the barrister that that quoted me was eighty thousand dollars plus just Christ. to defend me. How can how can anyone of that sort of money have any engagement with the law? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I have a very different type of legal practice than most lawyers. I, I do what I believe is important human rights work, and I usually try and work out a fee that the client can afford to pay, if they can afford to pay a fee at all, and because it's just things that need to be done. And so I'm not in a position to pay massive fees to another lawyer to defend me for doing my work. And, you know, in the end, I made a strategic decision that if I was going to be talking about my own freedom of speech, my own opinion and my own conscience, who better to do it than me? Makes sense. Uh, so, OK, just as a matter of interest, the um, uh, Mr. Collins, he would have come in at about that sort of money, because I'm just wondering, um, the Nelson Standards Committee has to pay for that legal representation, do they? Yeah, well, that was the quote if I had a defended hearing. But yeah. what I oh, did okay. was I challenged a kind of at a strategic level in what's called a strikeout on the basis that there was no legal case to right. answer. Gotcha. So um, I, I can't imagine that he would have charged them that much. In the but they, they had to pay for losing. Well, I presume they did. Yeah, I presume yeah. they did. Okay. All right. So what did, um, just in a roundabout, way sort of uh, to summarize what did the tribunal say about the matter in their decision so what they said was what i'd said right from the start that if i'm wearing my lawyer's hat i have to perform in accordance with the professional standard of lawyers but if i'm wearing my political hat or my or i'm acting as a mother or as i if i'm acting my own personal capacity in either in any other way or as a scientist, because I've got a background in science as well. Well, that's actually, that's really quite an interesting detail of all of this, because in some of the um, the uh, content that's been included in what I've been reading, uh, some of the Facebook posts, et cetera, um, you are in that area qualified to comment. <laughs> yeah, I actually believe that I'm probably one of the most qualified people in New Zealand to comment because I've got a um, BSCW major in biochemistry and microbiology. I've got a, I was a public health inspector, so I did the training course for that. I was doing contact tracing and all the kind of works that came in. And I've got a law degree and I've got, what, 30 years experience in risk assessment in complex emerging issues. Yeah, so, yeah, you've you've hopelessly outgunned the poor folk from Nelson already. Well, you know, they and and one thing that came out of this decision is they did not want to engage on the science. I kept trying to engage on the science because I'm tired of being alleged and defamed that I've shared misinformation when in fact much of the information I've shared is coming from the government's own website such as Medsafe or from international experts. And it's the government's Unite Against COVID website, which nobody ever has their name put on that website, but it seems to come out of the Department of Prime Minister's office or perhaps MBIE um, that shares all of what I believe is misleading and deceptive information about, um, you know, safe and effective and all the, all the spin that they pump out all the time. Yeah, okay, so uh, I sort of interrupted you as you were saying, um, or sort of summarising up the uh, finding of the the tribunal. Yeah. Uh, so carry so on they, with that. So they agreed, that they, have, they agreed with me that it depends what hat I'm wearing, and if I'm not doing legal work, then I shouldn't be judged by the professional conduct standards for a lawyer. I should only be judged by that, that standard if I'm doing legal work. And what the um, Nelson District Law Society had done was that they'd done a 
but the posts that they really didn't like were their category one and then category two were things that were posted that were kind of legal um, there was nothing wrong with them. It was like an Official Information Act request to the Minister of WorkSafe asking a whole lot of hard questions like uh, why are you promoting a vaccine that may kill people or that, um, that that's only got provisional consent? What assessment have you done of the risk? Why, you know, why are you not following your own laws kind of thing? It's pretty, pretty standard questions I would have thought that the Minister of WorkSafe should have been able to answer, but he couldn't. Um, so that some of that type of thing have been posted up on our Outdoors Party Facebook page. Um, and they said because there were legal things posted, um, the Law Society, the Nelson people said that that somehow meant that everything became legal. But what the disciplinary tribunal said and agreed with me that no, those category two things, they were legal work, but there was absolutely nothing wrong with what I'd said and done. Um, it was completely legitimate legal work so that kind of so the, and they agreed that we should separate out and just the complaint should just look at my legal work so is that where it lies now it's all done and dusted is it yeah yeah so it's the end of it all they've they've agreed that there was nothing in any of my legal work that breached my professional obligations um and there was nothing in my non-legal work that breached the criteria for fit and proper person to be a lawyer. And so there was no basis for these charges to progress. So that that was great, which was the decision I'd hoped that the Nelson District Law Society would have reached way back in 2021, but unfortunately didn't. Okay. Do you have to have anything to do with the Nelson District Law Society again? Is there a relationship that has to be repaired or maintained in some sort of way after this? Well, I mean, I'm based in Nelson. I, I've got work all around the country, but I am based in Nelson. I go to the Nelson District Court. I am invited to the social events for the Nelson Law Society from time to time. I know lots of the lawyers in Nelson. Um, one of my best friends who was a lawyer died suddenly a month or so ago, which was oh, really sad. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, there's um, – yeah, I mean, most of them are perfectly nice people. I just think that they got caught up in the wave of of fear that that many other people got caught up in. And you know, I'm I, I I've been to court many times since these complaints were made in the Nelson Court. I haven't had any issues with any of the lawyers or anything. Yeah, so I mean, if if it was me, I'd be a little bit grumpy because you've they've kind of um you know dragged you a bit through the mud. Right, so yeah, yeah. don't you don't you want you'd want an apology or something, wouldn't you? Or are you just just getting this thing out of the way is enough for you? Look, I'd I'd love to have an apology, and I'd love to be able to sit down with them and perhaps run a seminar about why I've said some of the things that I've said and some of the concerns I've got. Um, but my experience with the way the system works in New Zealand is that that's probably not likely. And the best thing to do is to accept that the um, disciplinary tribunals got to a, a good place in the decision that they've stood up for freedom of speech and they've actually um, quoted some of the things that I referred them to. So Sir Geoffrey Palmer made some really good statements on freedom of speech. They've adopted those. The uh, Supreme Court of America has made some really good statements on freedom of speech and they've adopted that. So, you know, looking on the bright side, what we've now got is actually some good thinking pulled together in one place 
about how important it is to have different views. And they've even adopted the quote that I, I said at the start, that the remedy for ill-conceived speech is more speech, not enforced silence. Yeah, I saw so, that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think, I think, I mean, this kind of thing I think is super important. They've also, um, they asked me what difference, you know, what could have made a difference? And I said, well, one of the things that would have made a difference is if the mainstream media had have done their job and presented both sides of the story and that then the public wouldn't have been so shocked by some of the things that were published on our Facebook page because they would have um, understood that that the vaccine was never safe and effective. And there were always a lot of questions outstanding, including from the government regulator. And it was really, I think, because people had been told so confidently one version and they couldn't get their head around the fact that actually the truth was quite different. Yeah, well, we all know about that one, don't we? Okay, well, I, I guess any reasonable person would get on the phone to you and say, Sue, we're sorry. <laughs> we're <laughs> yeah. kind of reflecting on this and we can see that we're basically um, just scared little people that sort of went a bit crazy. Um, but this is New Zealand, probably, like you say, won't happen. Okay, well, that's really interesting to hear, and that's a that's a, a win for free speech. We did you have any doubt that you might this might not work out well um, for you, or you always like no, confident because you can never be sure anymore, right? You can never be sure, but I'm always confident because I don't stop until we get to the right answer. And so it was only a matter of time. Um, I was always hopeful that this tribunal would would look at the law and look at the evidence and come up with the conclusion that they came up with. But if they hadn't, then there's always um, the High Court and eventually the Supreme Court. And that's how important this was because it's it's obviously about my career and reputation, but it's much more than that. It's about other lawyers being able to stand up for their clients, any lawyer that wants to be a politician. I mean, if if it's true that you can't question government narrative, how can you be an opposition politician? Um, I mean, the implications of what was originally alleged is extremely serious and, in my view, just had to be corrected. Okay, just quickly before you go, because we're ranging in on that October date with your political hat on, How's it been going and uh, where do you think you're at right now? Well, it feels like it's going really well. Um, we're starting to get a little bit more coverage in the mainstream media. We're getting massive coverage in, on social media now. You know, um, Brian Tamaki's been getting sort of 250,000 or more hits on some of his posts and 100,000, you know, quite often. Um, the crime policy is going really well. We've got another policy we're working on that that's really important to the public that we'll be releasing soon. Um, we've, it feels like um, the it's no longer just the kind of really aware people that are understanding what we're talking about. It feels like Middle New Zealand actually is getting it now. Oh, so you, you, this this thing about waking up is is happening? Do you think? Absolutely. You know, I, I go out. I can hardly go out anywhere, and people want to come and have a chat with me, which is great. I mean, that's that's the whole point of this. And it's it's now business people. It's farmers. It's it's 
grandmothers and aunties and mothers. It's all sorts of people who are saying what has been going on. And sometimes they can't quite put their finger on what the problem is. Uh, sometimes they can. And actually a lot of the people that do it are the, the common sense gut reaction people. They can see right through the narrative. It's the so-called academics and the so-called... You're like the smart. Nelson Standards Committee of the uh, <laughs> of the Law Society, right? Well, yeah, you know, I mean, that was a disappointing thing for me that I would have liked to have thought that trained lawyers would have had... I mean, I, they alleged that I breached the rule of law um, by challenging government policy. And I always said, but hang on, the rule of law requires that the government obey the law and that the Bill of Rights is given its proper hierarchy and that these ministerial mandates that pop up or did pop up day after day after day don't be given any more weight than they deserve, which in many cases is none at all because they're inconsistent with the Bill of Rights. So, Just a small detail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... Um, it's like everybody, you know, they forgot all that for a while. But I think, I think, I mean, there was a lot more said at the hearing than has been written in the decision. And I'm right. really hoping that, and it was a good hearing. Like they actually became quite interested in a lot of the wider issues as well. So I'm really hoping that that kind of experience is a, is a chance for people to hear something that they might not have heard. Well, they certainly wouldn't have heard if they listened to the TV news every night. And they could see some, I think a lot of them could see some sense in what I was saying. And I really hope that it makes a difference and that they'll talk to their networks and they'll become part of those who will stand up and question the government and rather than just going along with it. I guess you, just talking to the media there and back uh, onto the political um, um, map, if you will, if there is a sense, and I think it's fair to say the media is part of the establishment, the mainstream anyway, if there's a sense that, um, that there's this sort of groundswell of pushback developing, we'd start to see what kind of looks like a panic from the mainstream media. Are we seeing that, do you think, at this stage? Well, we're certainly seeing it in Australia, where they're posting some amazing information. The Australian um, newspaper posted the whole background story about um, Fauci and the you know gain of function evidence and and the escape from the lab and all the things that the New Zealand media are months behind on, but we're starting to see a little bit more. I wouldn't be at all surprised if they start. What they do is they start backtracking a little bit. They change their web pages and they take out a few knots so it suddenly looks like the opposite of what it used to look like. Um, all sorts of little yeah, changes. Yeah, but they'll be doing hit pieces on people like you, Brian Tamaki. Yeah. Um, if they sensed that the popularity was shifting, you'd start to see that. Have Have we seen any of that? Have you had any hit pieces on you lately? <laughs> uh, oh, they always do hit pieces on me. I'm, I'm the, yeah. uh, what am I? But, what but am I higher frequency, more frequency. There's certainly, um, they are starting to cover more about what we're saying, which is great. You know, Freedoms NZ were actually getting in the mainstream media. And, you know, I don't, I don't even mind if they try and do hit pieces on us. At least they acknowledge our existence. Well, that, I guess that tells you something, even if they're acknowledging, right? That tells mm -hmm. you something. Yeah. Yeah. And because they're going to look really stupid when we get elected and they haven't even mentioned us. Yeah. Like who? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sue. Thanks for coming back on. Um, really yeah. interesting to hear the, the sort of like the backstory there uh, yeah. about the uh, the hearing that happened on the twenty fourth and the decision on the fourth, uh, as you've just explained. So, uh, thanks for coming on RCR again and explaining all that.
Thank you, Paul. Really appreciate it. And I'm really hopeful that this is going to be a bit of hope for the doctors and some of the others that have been going through the same kind of sustained attacks as I have. Lawyer and politician Sue Gray on RCR. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.